The skill of listening takes a long time to master. And mastering this skill comes in stages. For instance, when parents tell their kids to do something, how easy for is it for the parent to believe that the child heard exactly what you were saying? Well, I say it, said it, it must be understood. But that is not always the case, is it? I have learned to know someone heard what you said and then ask them to repeat exactly what you said. This in counseling or basic counseling is called active listening. And that's the lesson today. Are you listening? Story time, proof, and antagonist. So the first point is story time. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 16 through 18. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths, when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was born to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. Kids love story time, don't they? Kids, yes, thank you. Kids love story time. I still remember elementary school story time, reading about how to eat fried worms and all the great brain series that I loved. Often I would be enthralled. Now my teacher didn't have any props, didn't have any slides, just her voice and a great book. But I was enthralled by those stories. I could sit there and listen, and I would forget about everything else around me in life and just be taken away by my imaginations. Stories are appealing. We like to listen carefully and be taken away by emotion. But we are always good at knowing, but are we always good at knowing fact from fiction? Does the person who enjoys the juiciness of gossip care about fact or fiction? When they spew a story that can really hurt a person. This is what Peter dealt with in general. He said this, we did not follow cleverly devised myths. When we made known to you the power and the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Second Peter Chapter 1, verse 16. What is he saying? We didn't make it up. In fact, we were eyewitnesses. Verse 16. In text, he refers to the transfiguration of Jesus. Peter admits how daft he was in this story just by bringing it back up again. And the other apostles as well. Jesus' transfiguration starts with the idea that he saw Moses and Elijah there as well. Matthew 17, 1 through 8. But Peter goes, let us honor all three great people of equal standing. Then the Heavenly Father steps in, doesn't he? And this is where Peter's shame kicks in. Oops, what have I done? The one you are going to honor is not Moses the giver of the law. Nor is it Elijah, one of the great 
of many prophets. It is Jesus, and it is only Jesus. He is my beloved son. Whatever comes from him is true. Don't change his direction, his church, or his teaching. And that's a big part of what 2 Peter and Jude are all about. Dealing with false teachers and false prophets who want to do exactly the same as teaching something other than God approved through Jesus Christ. This is my son. This is his church. This is not the false prophet's church. So, myth or truth? A friend of mine, and I love this story, very apt for this lesson, I think. A friend of mine, all the way back when I went to York College, wrote an interesting letter and posted it on Facebook. She talked about her conversion to Christ. It took some time, but from youth, she was always searching. She was always involved in her church activities. Well, someone told her that she was going to go to hell for what she currently believed. This happened to be within the first week she went to York. You can imagine that hurt her. Anybody would be hurt. Anybody. But that was one of the reasons why she went to this particular school. Because there was a different faith concept there at York College than what she grew up with. And she had already started having questions where she grew up with that caused her to step out and seek some other thoughts. My friend was very involved in church activities as a youth. Like I said, with her church faith. But as she got older and while at York, she made a list of questions. You can tell that's somebody who's searching, right? She took these questions to her church leadership, where she came from, who told her that they had trouble answering the questions she had based on the Word of God. That seems very unfamiliar to us, doesn't it? We really focus on under, trying to understand the Word of God. What they believed in the Bible, they told her, was considered a myth. They used the myth word. They told her this, that they are stories created over time and not based on truth, but on tradition. They told her not to base her faith on the Bible itself as God's word, but on what the church's tradition taught. On the church's leadership explanation of what the truth is. While at York, my friend was immersed in Christ for the forgiveness of her sins. Uh, in her second year. So she studied and she studied and she studied. She is a strong Christian who is married and raising children herself. She is glad to be away from those who believe that the truth of God's word is a myth. 
So in the first century, the apostles are teaching the truth, but the false teachers are enhancing the truth to something false for their own gain, whatever it is. Peter says they promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. Slaves of corruption. Believe it or not, I read some very good authors who have great study in language and can interpret very well. But if you read their deeper notes, they believe it's all a myth. And these are foundational people in many different groups, not in the ones that I'm aware of. They still have very good scholarly skills but they don't believe it's inspired word of God. 2 Peter chapter 1, 19 through 21. And we have, what? The prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention to as to a lamp shining in the dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. But men by the will of but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Spirit. Eyewitnesses is an important term. Who has the prophetic word more fully confirmed? in the context. The apostles. The apostles. Remember, Jesus and the Holy Spirit helped them to remember things. Luke chapter 24, 44 through 49, Acts chapter 1. They were a few, there were a few early false teachings going on even in the first century. While the apostles were still yet alive, False teaching is nothing new. And determined false teachers, knowingly that it's false, is nothing new. These, according to 2 Peter and Jude, were teachings that affect a Christian's standing with Christ and salvation. First, Gnosticism. In addition to believing in God and Christ, this teaching taught you must receive special knowledge, usually by an ecstatic experience. This experience became proof that you were saved. Does that sound similar to anything today? The other one, pardon me for not knowing how to pronounce this, antinomians believed in God and Christ as well. But they were salvation by grace alone people. Meaning, the requirements of God's moral law, how we should live in this life, and how to live as a Christian were irrelevant because grace covers it all. So I don't have to live according to God's standards. 
that was being taught then as well. First John is all over that one. So the apostles received all the truth we need on Pentecost about salvation, truth in Christ, and how to live as a Christian. We don't need false teachers teaching things that don't matter or that appeal to our sinful nature, right? Remember that itchy ear concept. It's what we want to hear because it appeals to our... So we pay attention. Why pay attention? Because if you are not eating your supplements of faith that go along with your faith, virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly love, affection, brotherly affection, love, 2 Peter 1.8, you can be deceived. I find it interesting that Peter put that right in the first chapter before he talked about false teachers. How are you going to tell if your faith's not growing? If you're not adding the supplements to your life. I mean, it's, you can fall for things that hurt your faith in Christ and possibly, possibly lead you away from salvation in Christ. Peter used the example of light and darkness. Pay attention to the true light and the true message that is in the sea of false doctrine. 1 John chapter 5, 1, verses 5 through 10 reads like this. This is the message we have heard from him. Who's talking? The apostles. It's referencing the apostles. This is the message we have heard from him. And proclaim to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. And if we say we have fellowship with him while walking in darkness, while saying grace covers everything and I don't have to follow any moral path of God, what happens? We lie. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another in the blood of Jesus. His son cleanses or continually cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Are the apostles dealing with some major false doctrine going on in their time? Yes. And are they letting it slide? No. God's truth. Honestly, if all this was based on a myth, as so many people I find out believe, why would you be here? Really? Why would you be here? False stories. A church leadership's way to confine me to the church. I wouldn't come much at all, if at all except for my own personal reasons, whatever they are. But God's truth comes from God. And if we believe it, that the Bible is God's word, no prophecy of Scripture comes by means of a myth 
or one's own interpretation. Man can create man-made things. Children, buildings, stories, fiction and nonfiction, but man can't make God things. God gives us what we need for salvation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of men, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Spirit. And they were tested, weren't they? They were proven, weren't they? Oh, go back and see what God says about false prophets who do not speak His word nor have permission. 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 1-3. through 3. But false prophets also arose among the people. Of course, he's talking about Israel before. Just as there will be false teachers among you. Who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. And many, many will follow their sensuality. And because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. Can you remember some of the false prophets spoken about in Scripture, the Old Testament in particular? They can really do a number on people, can't they? Jeremiah dealt with that one particular guy. In a year from now, boy, you're going to get an arrow right through you. And if we listen to them, we can be led away. You might call them the enemy of truth, the antagonist, the antagonist to a story. Beware, Matthew 7:15. Beware. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Who said that? Jesus. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, the elect. Mark 13, 22. Beloved, do not believe every spirit. That's referring to teachings. But test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone into the world. Oh, not only do we need to be involved in benevolence and being nice to people and teaching the truth, we've got to be involved in knowing the scripture well enough to determine if what somebody is teaching is false or not. Well, I guess we can't sleep. We got a lot of work to do. Jude 3 says, contend for the faith, doesn't it? Dealing with false prophets can be tricky. Do you think Jesus and his disciples were considered false prophets by some people? Yeah. People thought that they were because they, they already knew what was incorrect. And they believed it. And so there was contention because Jesus was teaching the truth. They already believed something, and now who's right? But do you think there are people who could master, masterfully teach things that Scripture does not teach? 
Do you think there are gifted people in our world who can masterfully teach something that Scripture does not teach and get people to believe it? They appeal to the senses. They appeal to desires. They appeal to fears. And they appeal to hope. But they do not do it by the truth of the Word. So it takes work to contend for the faith of Christ. First, you must learn God's Word and keep studying it. Second, you must be willing to stand up for the truth. You must be willing. Guess what? These people, according to Jude 4, have crept in unnoticed. And they did it in plain sight. They are masterful at deception. And they can trick people in believing in, different, in a different Jesus. The Jesus that just seemed like he died on the cross. But he really didn't. Or the Christ, as you say. They have new proclamations. <gasps> new teachings. New perversions. Saved by grace alone rather than grace through faith in Jesus Christ. That faith being an obedient faith. Not a disobedient faith. Or that Jesus really didn't die on the cross. They make the word of God a myth. Based on tradition. Passed down over time to create the product that we have today. But it is not a myth. Sensuality and greed are two worldly desires many people have. And you could probably wrap them up in words like worldliness and lust. Whether it be money, power, sexual sin, yes, the false prophets will sink listeners so low into worldliness, they will exploit you for everything you have. But these false prophets will be condemned, and their destruction is coming for them. Sadly, it's coming for those who are willingly participants with them as well. Let us remember God's word of warning, even to Moses, through Moses, I should say. Deuteronomy 18.20 But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name, that I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. Does truth come from man? It comes from God. And when man steps in the place of God, he is God's enemy. So both Peter and Jude's focus is challenging. It is. It's not easy, but it's real. It's a reality that they dealt with. It's a reality our world deals with. Is this a concern even for today or only the first century? Does everyone who claims to speak for Christ, in fact, speak for Christ? I said this recently to another group. I don't matter. You can forget me tomorrow. It doesn't matter. This is what 
matters. And it comes from God. If you want to see the supernatural, which I can't do, you come here and you find out a myth is from man. The supernatural is from God. So, are you listening? Are you listening? Story time is a good time, but, but when teaching the truth, let it be known that it is truth and not a myth. Proof came by eyewitnesses. The apostles pay close attention to God's truth and the antagonist. The antagonist is the enemy of the story. False prophets with whom we must contend. I am grateful that the elders asked me to speak on this because it is relevant. I wish it wasn't. I wish it wasn't. But if there's anybody here today who has any concerns, let it be known that this lesson is yours. Turn to God. Let Him teach you. Come forward now if you have any needs, any prayer requests, or otherwise, as together we stand and sing. Deeper and deeper I go.